Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, episode number 83. It's Friday. We're here to end another week with another preview, this time Mm. for UFC 260, Mm. headlined by the biggest, baddest Mm. rematch Mm. between the heavyweight GOAT and champion, Stipe Miocic. Undisputed. Going for his total, fifth total title defense? Fifth total, yes. This time against a familiar foe in Francis Ngannou. Undeniable. Your host, as always, Noah B. and Dominic Salee, ending another week. How are you? I'm ready. Yeah. You? No, no I'm not ready. Oh. <laughs> I'm not ready. Well, it's, that's all I got. <laughs> it's time, it's it's time. time to strap in, right? But I guess we're not getting right into the segment. Or, I mean, the review. No, the we, preview. Got to, we got time, right? We got time. <laughs> But still, it's it always feels a little bit different. It hits a little different when we're doing these pay-per-views, right? Yeah, and it's heavyweights, it's Stipe. It's, it For is those Stipe. of you that are new listeners, we're Ohioans. Mm-hmm. Stipe's an Ohioan. But, we, we, you know, I like to think we're not too biased. I think we no, hit it right down No, I don't think we're biased at all. I mean, uh, I, I, I would say... I would like to think that my predictions and my breakdown of this fight is not going to really take into account that I love Stipe. You because I mean? I'm slightly petrified at the matchup for Stipe this weekend. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, same. And, you know, the, the more I hear Francis talk and stuff, I go, man, it doesn't make me feel any better. Yes, butterflies are just squirming around <laughs> yes. by the day. But, but first, before yes. we get into that, it's time for the news. We got some we got some decent fight announcements here. It's kind of a crazy week. Yeah, a couple of just some re, you know re, re, rescheduling around here, but a couple new ones. Starting with one of those, Dominic Reyes and Yuri Prohaska yeah. has officially been rescheduled for May first. This will be a headliner, correct? I believe so. It was yeah. originally supposed to headline <clears throat> in February, got delayed due to COVID. Quite significant delay. But I'm glad it's finally going to happen. This is a very important fight. It's really important for both men. And I should say it's especially important for Dominic Reyes because at this point, 2020 was not his year. Even though it started out like you couldn't have lost. You couldn't have gave a better performance in a loss than he did against John Jones. But then he gets another title fight with Jan Blachowicz and gets brutally picked apart. Yeah. Tough year. So now he's got to try to climb his way back after going 0-2 in title fights in 2020. Yuri Prohaska, only one fight into his UFC career, but a very impressive win over Volkan Uzdemir. Yes. And being that he is the former rising light heavyweight champion, coming in with some real high-level credentials, I'm a big fan of him. Oh, he Big could, fan of this fight. He, he could, Geary... Speaking of, could win this fight and fight for a title in his third UFC bout, potentially. You yeah. know, depending on how he does it. So, for for him, huge fight there. And for Dom, looking to bounce back after two straight losses. He needs it, man. Especially yeah. after the, the outing against Jan. You know, it might say more about Jan and how good he actually is. But still, Dom really kind of got picked apart in that fight. Got finished. But then you look at the fight against John Jones, you're like, damn. But then you look at the fight he had with uh, Vulcan. Yeah, I think that and was the think, fight. And you think, oh, Vulcan won that fight. Yeah. So it's just been really crazy these past couple years for Dom Reyes. Was once undefeated, now on the barrel of a three-fight losing streak. Big, big fight for him. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that fight's going to answer a lot of questions because it's at this heavyweight division again. It's moving now. It's moving. It's been the most active, the most, yeah. I guess, competitive, the most interesting it's been in a long, long time. time. Glover up next, and from there, you've got guys like Rakich. You've got these two guys. Uh, you know, there's a lot up in the air in this division. It's fun. Moving on. Oh. June 5th, a Speaking couple of a couple very exciting prospects here. Sid from Toy Story, a.k.a. Dusko Todorovich, going up against... Coconut Bombs. Coconut Bombs, Mackie Patolo. Dom, you're a big fan of both these guys. Tell the people why they should be interested in this fight. It's going to be an absolute banger. Enough yeah, said. Enough said. <laughs> no, this fight, really, two great prospects. Uh, Patolo just coming off of a... The fight that he was dominating with um, Julian Marquez. Yeah, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the battle of the best nicknames of all time, was really looking the best he had looked in the UFC. He was using his grappling a lot, not getting into a firefight, but then gets a Hail Mary submission against him by Marquez there. <laughs> yeah. Then Marquez ends up going on dates with Miley Cyrus and shit. It was just crazy. He's that back. What you're saying is that should have been Mackie It should have been Coconut Bombs <laughs> with Miley Cyrus. But he's back, and Dusko's coming off his first professional loss via KO, but before that was looking like an absolute beast. Still is a beast. This fight is going to be fireworks on paper. Yeah, Todorovic has got that length that is just very much just like a, an asset to him. Yeah, you watch him fight, man, you're like, that's a crisp striker right yeah. there. While for Patolo, you're right. His grappling is very much his strength and you know And he showed it cuz you like I said he's usually in these firefights, but he showed like he's strong, good grappling. He might have to utilize it here in this one because Dusko's got the power. Mm. I completely agree with you there. Should be fun. A week later. Mm, another another rescheduled bout June 12th. Oh. Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill. Two guys really trying oh. to Man Really trying to get out of that 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 eleven to fifteen range at light heavyweight. This is going down on UFC two sixty three. I couldn't be more excited for this one because you got Paul Craig, who's really had a he's really had to dig deep and climb his way up the ranks, and you know he he had that draw with Shogun Hua, comes back and rematches him late last year, beats him down. Finally gets over that hump. This dude's a freaking beast. Well, for Jamal Hill, he's really been kind of skyrocketed into this position here. You Undefeated. Know, very young into his UFC tenure. Two guys on different paths, but now they have led them to where they are neck and neck, 14 and 15 in the division. I'm very excited for that and one. And, man, Jamal Hill dismantled OSP in their last fight. Yeah, Looks did. so good. 7-0. and Paul Craig, 14-4, and submits everybody, but then shows he can get the KO, TKO. He's got some power in his bout. hands, man. He really does. Uh, this is the last guy uh, to defeat freaking, uh, what's his name? I already got Shogun Hua? Uh, Magomed Ankalaev. Oh, That's yeah. the lone Ankalaev. loss on Ankalaev's, um resume, and that came with one second left in the fight via triangle choke. <laughs> So yeah. this dude is dangerous at all moments of the fight. Complete opposite style clashes here. That's going to be fun. And big because it's going to set him up for a top 10 opponent next, most importantly. Yeah, that's a good point. I really thought Craig might have had a right to get that top 10 opponent, but Pierre's not. He's fighting Jamal Hill. But in some ways, Jamal Hill might be the biggest prospect in this division that's not named uh, Jimmy Crew. Yeah, very true. So... It could in some ways be a bigger fight for him because Jamal Hill does have a name to him, and especially if you're within the UFC 
brass. Oh, yeah. He, Jamal Hill is someone on everybody's radar right now. And for Craig, who's kind of... He's had a very good career, a very good run in the UFC, but had his shortcomings setbacks. at times, yeah. setbacks. Um, I will say Craig doesn't tend to do well with uh, a very high-pressure striker, mm-hmm. and Jamal Hill offers that all day. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if he's how much he's truly grown out of that because that usually was what gave him problems early on in his career. And for Jamal Hill, the biggest test of his career. Now, he had a great striker in OSP who does pose a lot of submission threats. But I think at this stage in you know, Craig and OSP's careers, Craig's the more dangerous guy, and Jamal gets to test himself and That's there. true. Jamal Hill, kind of a skinny guy for yeah. that division. Paul Craig. Very big. Very big. Yeah. So it's going to be a big test for his grappling skills, his takedown defense, yeah. things like that. Uh, and if he know. passes that test, he's going to be on a missile yeah. to the top <laughs> yeah. of this division. Yeah, no, 100%. Moving on, July 10th. Another big one. UFC 264. How about the July slate starting uh, to fill yeah, out Yeah, really already. starting to fill out. It's weird, isn't it? We're not even in April yeah, yet. Yeah, so this 264, that'll be International Fight Week, at yep. least that we think. We're yep. used to, anyways. Yep, so we got a couple of women going at it here. Jennifer Maya coming off of her tough loss for the belt against Valentina Shevchenko. Don't forget round two, though. She's looking to bounce back against another struggling fighter right now, Jessica I, coming off a loss on that Connor Dustin card um, to Joanne Calderwood. Yep. So what are your thoughts here? Because my first instinct is to kind of write this fight off, but it is very important. Oh, yeah. I mean, Maya's... Was riding a high, stole around from Valentina. Of course, she lost still, so that's what matters most. But she got to the title fight, right, very early on in her UFC career. For Jessica I, someone else who's also fought Valentina, came up short in a much more convincing fashion via crazy KO head kick. But now Jessica's ranked number 8th. She's staring at the barrel of a three-fight losing skid now. Losses to Cynthia Calvillo in a main event. And then her most recent bout, as we just mentioned, Maya looking to bounce back off the title fight loss, still hovering in that top five range. It's very, it's more important for I to prove she still can hang in this top ten of the division. And for Jennifer Maya, really, this is still one of her biggest tests outside of Valentina because her road to the title, honestly, like she lost to Caitlin Chukagian, but then got granted the fight with Calderwood when Calderwood didn't have to take that fight, beat Calderwood, and then got a title fight. Yeah. It wasn't like she was on some crazy winning streak. So this is still very important for her to prove, like, okay, it wasn't a fluke that I got that title shot. I'm legit. So Yeah, it's just, I, I guess if I'm if I'm going to be a, a Debbie Downer or whatever you want to call it, which I, I don't mean to be, this fight could be very fun. Jessica I was in one of the more exciting fights of that UFC 257 that card with Joanne Calderwood. And Jennifer Maya kind of giving, I guess, Valentina her biggest test as far as title defenses have gone so far. Yeah, this is a clash of styles. For so sure. I, I, what, what I guess I'll say for the negative side of this is I don't really know if a win over Jessica I at this point is really going to solidify Maya as a, as a title challenger or, like you said, trying to answer some of those questions of, like, is this a, was it a fluke? Was she just the right girl at the right time? Um, it's just, I'm not sure. Jessica I's been not kind of struggling in her own right, you know, and while she did have her moments in that Calderwood fight, came up short there. 
Um, so in a lot of ways, Maya should be kind of expected to win this fight. You know, if you do MMA math, yeah. Maya beat Calderwood, who beat I, so yeah. therefore Maya should be I, right? I know that's not really how it works, but um, it could be a really fun fight. I just I, I don't see either woman really being able to advance too far with a win. Maybe yeah. I. If Jessica I gets a win here, that would be a huge she bounce back. Yeah. A huge bounce back over a top five opponent. However, if Maya wins, I feel like she's kind of just treading water. She's just staying mm. put. You know, and that's fine. That's that's sometimes what you need to do. Especially in a division that's ruled by the Queen and Valentina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well said. And how about this one? Yeah, this last one. This one came out of nowhere. So the COO of 1FC. Anybody like cupcakes? <laughs> Misha Tate. She's back. Is deciding to come out of retirement and return to fight Marion Renault. Who just fought last week. <laughs> on July 17th. Love it. Now, we have not seen Misha Tate fight since her loss on UFC 205 back, what, four, five years ago now? Yeah, with Raquel Pennington. Raquel the Pennington. Decision. Yeah. Her fight before that being her losing yep. the Bantamweight belt to Amanda Nunes at UFC 200. So, what should we expect here from Misha Tate? This is a top 10 opponent, Marion Renault. I believe she's yeah. number 8 in the Bantamweight rankings. And what can we reasonably expect from her here? That's a great question, Noah, really. I mean, we know how, truthfully, Misha Tate is very well-rounded, but loves the grappling and can really put people to the test. We saw down on the cards against Holly Holm, Hail Mary submission to become the champion, put Holly to sleep with the rear naked choke. So she's very well-rounded. She's really one of the pioneers of women's MMA. It's great to see her come back. Still, she's only 34. She retired being only 30 years old. Took a couple years off, started a family, two kids now. Her husband's a fighter, I think in one, as a matter of fact. So it's good to see Misha back. And it's top... Well, she got moved back, so she's 12th now, but still a top-ranked contender in this division in Marion Renew. And to even add... More spice on this return for Misha. Marion Renault confirmed this is going to be her retirement fight. Yeah. So Misha's coming back to prove she still got it. Renault's saying, I'm not going out on another loss. <laughs> What's going to happen here? I'm I intrigued. Know. I don't know. It's a long layoff for Misha, and especially, you know, in women's MMA, you know, she was leaving right when, you know, Amanda came on. Yeah. Valentina was coming on strong. You had, you know, Rose Nava Yunus took a huge step up. I know these are different divisions. I'm just saying that. Oh, this Women's man, MMA has evolved so much from when Misha was champion and ultimately oh, left the sport. Yeah. So you have to wonder if, can, can she really return to her form, who she was before she left, or can she really remain competitive? I mean, Marion Renault is at least someone who is familiar to that time period. I would love to see a picture of the top 15 when Misha retired to what it is now because yeah. I bet it's just like a bomb dropped on that division. It's yeah. so different now. So much has changed. So much, so many people have evolved. There's so many great up-and-comers in this division now. I'm intrigued. I, I am if too. Misha can come back after four years and even make a run into the top five-ish, I'd be impressed. You know? Yeah, I would definitely be impressed. Yeah. I'm trying to keep my expectations at bay. Until we see what yeah, she looks like. Yeah, just because it's it's a lot to ask out of someone to come back after so many years it's just, and fight at a high level when her own division and her own niche in women's MMA have evolved so much. I mean, yeah. Ronda Rousey 
was at one time looked at as the greatest fighter on earth, gets destroyed by Holly Holm, destroyed by Amanda Nunes, and now she is some of the butt of jokes a lot of times. And that was the era Misha was in. Yeah. So she's going to have to really evolve her game and come back in a big way here to make a run. I think she's capable of having it mentally. I just will see if she can really physically put it together. I got to say, it is exciting. Because yeah. out of the three, well, there's four women's weight classes, but one's not really. It's just one fighter. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So out of the three prominent ones, bantamweight, flyweight, strawweight, this is definitely the one with the least amount of intrigue. The other two, man, they're always firing off fights, moving spots in the rankings, so much going on. But Misha coming back adds a little <clears throat> flair, adds a little flavor. Bantamweight's the most stagnant, and this definitely spices it up. Yeah, exactly. As for the rest... How about this? Yeah, interesting one here. Kitty Florian. Love it for him. What a yeah, guy. he joins the PFL broadcast team. So what do you think about that? You know, Kitty Florian at one time, commentator for the UFC, hasn't worked for him in a while, but now moving on to PFL. Yeah, man. One of the best minds in the sport has his own MMA podcast. We're coming for you. <laughs> but uh, this is it's more so good for the PFL. They're really making moves. We saw... You know, the the free agent signings, and they're coming back next month. And now they've got Kenny Florian. He's going to bring a lot of knowledge to that broadcast team. You know, we saw Bellator take a lot of steps up with their broadcast team. And it really adds to that experience as you're watching fights. Because although you're you're there ultimately to watch people fight, you still want people, good voices coming through, telling you what's happening from the mind of a fighter itself is even better. And I think that's what Kenny's going to do here. Spice it up a little for the PFL. Makes them a little more prominent of a brand. Yeah, I agree. You know, having I a guy agree. like Kenny. Having a voice like Kenny who's been there, done that, yeah. been in multiple UFC title fights, yeah. fought the best of the best. He's worked for the best, the biggest promotion in the world. And he, you're right, he's just a very articulate yeah. guy. And I think that's going to add a lot to that brand. So very excited about that. Last one here. Uh-oh. Hamzat Chimaev, what an interesting kind of... <laughs> his career is really... The transpired guy. during the term of our podcast. This is true. So we we've really been just He's grow, we've grown up with him. Yeah, and it's just been what a roller coaster. This guy comes out three wins in what sixty three days. Yeah, two months, just over two months. Two of which being in nine days. Yeah, and then he gets scheduled for the end of the year to go up against Leon Edwards at a big main event. You know, Hamza barely cracking into that top fifteen. Leon top five. Fight falls out once because Leon tests for COVID, positive for COVID. Then it falls out a second time in March because Hamzat tests positive. That's when Bilal stepped in. Yep. And then you have Hamzat posted on his Instagram story of like, looked like there was blood in the sink and that. Yeah, he got hit bad, yeah, man. Yeah, the it sounds the like lingering effect. The way Dana kind of worded it was instead of resting, this guy was just, just kept going, and it was he was hurting himself. Yeah. And he basically posted some sort of a, if you translate Mini it, some retirement. sort of a retirement <laughs> message. But he's back now. He's saying he's back and that he's coming to smash everybody, <laughs> starting with Neil Magny. So what he that, wants? That's Again, what he wants. No fight confirmed. Targeting but... a July return. Yeah. Wanting Neil Magny. Sign me up. That's what really should have happened to begin with. Realistic. I agree. Wise. No, because Neil Magny agree. was the only guy calling him out, which. Kudos to Magny. Of course, we know we got the fight with Kiesa, then unfortunately lost. But I still think if you're Magny, 
it's a the biggest fight you can get if you're Magny in terms of name yeah. value. And for Hamzat, no, it's not Leon Edwards, a top three guy, but it's a top ten guy that's been around and beat some killers, and he's just a staple of that welterweight division. You can't complain if you're Hamzat getting that still, you know. Yeah. Or you can maybe welcome Kevin Holland to welterweight. <laughs> you just sparked me up a little. <laughs> but no, I, I definitely think the Neil Magny fight. <laughs> you got me thinking. <laughs> the Neil Magny fight's the one that probably should have been booked in the first yeah. place, and now it, hopefully that's what ends up being made. I think that'd be a great way to kind of get Hamza a test in the top ten without pushing him too far and to the detriment of some of those fighters who right. might be fighting at the top end. Uh, but I'm just happy to see that appears he's starting to recover Not, a little fingers bit. Fingers crossed we get to see the wolf back soon. Yeah, I need to. But that is it for the news. The news. Let's, Are you ready yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's okay, do it. Okay. UFC 260. <sighs> we got five fights to break down for you here. Starting with our opener on the main card at lightweight, Jamie Malarkey. Going up against Kama Worthy. Honestly, that's a banger to start the card. Mm-hmm. We follow that at women's flyweight with Jillian Roberson and Miranda Maverick. Big female prospect. Then at Bantamweight, the Sugar Show is back. Sean O'Malley going up against that one time a highly touted Bantamweight prospect in Thomas Almeida. Co-main event of the evening at Welterweight. What up? The former champ, Tyron Woodley. Looking to get back on track. He has to. Against the silent assassin. We love. Vicente Luque. Vicente Luque. And. Holy shit. Our main event of the evening. It's the biggest, the baddest rematch on the planet. Stipe Miocic looking to defend again his heavyweight title against Francis Ngannou, the Predator. But let's bring it back to where I started. Now, Dom, we got Jamie Malarkey versus Kama Worthy here. Tell it, take it away. Let's bring out the notebook. Crack the fingers. <laughs> put on the reading glasses. Jamie Malarkey, 12 wins, 4 losses, 8 KOTKOs, 3 submissions. That's 11 out of 12 via finish. But he's 0-2 in the UFC. He does have 6 first-round finishes. Notable losses. Alex... Volkanovsky. Yes, he does. The current featherweight king back at AFC 15 in 2016 got KO'd one punch. And then also has a loss to Brad Rydell, who was supposed to fight last week. Hopefully that fight with uh, Gillespie gets rescheduled soon. That was via decision. For Kama Worthy, 16 wins, 7 losses. He's got 9 KOTKOs, 3 submissions. He's 2-1 and one in the UFC, 3 first-round finishes. Wins over Devontae Smith via TKO and a submission. Uh, oh, sorry, I got lost on the notes there. Notable losses. Paul Felder back at Pinnacle FC in 2012 on the regional scene. That was via TKO. Also lost to our boy Billy Q at SOFC in 2015 via TKO. And then his most recent outing that we got to break down, Atman Azaitar. TKO'd, comma worthy. Mm-hmm. Banger here, Noah. Yeah, this one definitely uh, says fireworks to me. This one definitely speaks to a fight that is going to be one that comes in and gets out early. Yes. Now, as far as who is going to be the one coming out on top here, it's not as easy as it sounds. Malarkey is 0-2 in the UFC, but you dig a little deeper and you'll see why. 
This is a guy who came up on the European MMA circuit, you know, had a really nice run over there. But as is the case with a lot of European MMA fighters, they don't tend to be as well-rounded when it comes to their ground game as they are in their stand-up. So you see that when he loses to a guy like Volkanovski, then loses to Brad Rydell and Faraz Ziam, stuff like that. You, 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 you see those holes come out early on. And they just have to kind of catch up with maybe some of their competition in other countries, you know. But with Kama Worthy here, I have a feeling this is going to be pretty much all stand-up. And that kind of muddies it a little bit because Kama Worthy, look, when he's the, touted as an underdog, this guy shows up in a big way. Devontae Smith and Luis Pena, he was huge underdogs for both of those. Starched both of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. However... Going up against Ahmed Azetar, who's a much cleaner, more technical striker, wasn't quite the same result. Right. However, I see this being a very fun back and forth. I see just kind of a barn burner of a fight here for as long as it lasts. I'm going to go with Kama Worthy, and I'm going to go with a second round KOTKO. I like that. I'm actually going to give this my fight of the night. Because it's going to go into the third round. Uh, I, I like the toughness here on both guys. But I do think Kama's going to come out on top. Finishing the fight ultimately with a third round KO, TKO to start the pay-per-view off. Awesome. Moving on. Women's fight here. And it's at the flyweight division. Jillian Roberson and Miranda Maverick. Jillian Roberson, one of the most active women's fighters on the roster, it seems. She's always scheduled to fight. She's 9-5. and five, One KO, TKO, six submissions. She's 6-3 and three in the UFC. Uh, two first-round finishes total. She's got wins over Hannah Cyphers. That was at NLFC in 2017 via submission. She submitted Emily Whitmire. Submitted... Uh, McCann and also submitted Courtney Casey. Notable losses, however, she's lost to Cynthia Calvillo at GKO number eight back in 2016 via decision. Also got submitted by Myra Bueno Silva, who just fought against uh, Montana De La Rosa. Got TKO'd by Macy Barber, and in her most recent outing, had a tough loss to Taylor Santos via decision. For Miranda Maverick, this is one of the highly touted prospects in women's MMA for the UFC right now. She's 8-2, only 23 years old. She's got one KO, TKO, five submissions, 1-0 currently in the UFC. Big step up here for her. She does have five first-round finishes out of the six, and she's riding a four-fight win streak coming into this. But like I said, this is a jump. This is a jump a up. Jump. It's a big jump for her. She's only 23 years old. Uh, Fear the is her nickname. Yes. The Fear the Maverick. The Maverick yeah. <laughs> Uh, but both these women's skill sets really mirror each other very yep. much. So, yep. very they're very much the type of ladies to try to get the fight to the ground, finish it there. Uh, they don't they don't tend to do as well when they have someone who's a very competent striker coming at them, pressuring them. You see that with Roberson in her fight with Macy Barber. Mm-hmm. Macy Barber's not an electric striker, but she brought that pressure and, and she volume. has enough power in yeah. her hands that volume. And then you have Taylor Santos who just. That strength. You know, Roberson's not necessarily big for this division. She's not, you know, Taylor Santos was, is yeah. one of the biggest yeah. in that division. And the, really it was just the strength there. That won't necessarily be a problem here with Miranda Maverick. 
who is very good in her own right. We haven't seen as much from her. That TKO win, though, via Dr. Stoppage, does say a lot maybe to where her skills are now. And even a win over Pearl Gonzalez and Invicta, a woman who's had UFC experience, Mm -hmm. I am going to go with the prospect here. I think it's a big jump up, a big test. But Roberson, um, I think, is really... She sometimes, once she gets kind of flustered or gets pressured, yeah. she does tend to kind of shut down and struggle with getting those takedowns. That's a good way to put it. Um, so I think Miranda Maverick does get the win here. I am going to go with the decision, but I could also see Miranda Maverick maybe even scoring some sort of TKO or even a submission win. Yeah, so it's funny. I originally had Miranda via KO-TKO. I think she's going to have the advantage on the feet, and she's going to want to keep it there. Uh, like Noah said, neither one of these ladies are the best strikers in the world, but if I had to pick somebody that has the advantage, I'm going to have to go with Maverick, just from what we've seen out of Roberson. And I think she's going to want to keep this fight on the stand on the stand-up realm. She's going to get the better uh, in that area, and I think she does edge out a decision as well, Miranda Maverick. It will be interesting to see how Miranda's ground game stacks up if it goes there with Roberson and if Roberson has improved in her striking since her last outing you know it's very interesting she trains with Dean Thomas Roberson does so she's got one of the best there is down there at American Top Team if she can build that striking along with her incredible submission game she really could be a problem in this division so that's a really good fight look out for that one that's that has a lot of factors in it I agree I agree moving on Sugar Sean O'Malley Taking on Thomas Almeida. Interesting fight here. Very interesting. I would say banger. I'll get into it. Thomas <laughs> Almeida, 22 wins, 4 losses, 17 KOTKOs, 4 submissions. He's finished 21 out of 22 fights. He is 5-4 and four in the UFC. Uh, 17 of those 21 finishes coming in the first round. Both of these guys like to get in and get out. He's got notable wins over Brad Pickett via KO. Also KO'd Anthony Burchark. Notable losses, got KO'd by Cody Garbrandt, a decision loss to Jimmy Rivera, TKO'd by Rob Font, and then a, his most recent outing, a unanimous decision loss to Jonathan Martinez. So coming into this, Almeida's on a three-fight losing streak. For Sean O'Malley, he's 12-1, and one, eight KO TKOs, one submission, 4-1 and one in the UFC, 1-0 and oh on the Contender Series. He's got eight first-round finishes out of the nine, Notable wins over Andre Sukumhoff, who once followed me on social media via decision. And then, and then unfollowed you. And then unfollowed <laughs> me. And then one punch KO'd Eddie Wineland. It was quite beautiful to watch. But he's coming off of a loss, his first loss of his career to Cheeto Vera in a fight that his leg got pretty jacked up and ultimately got finished by Cheeto in that fight. Yes, he did. So with this fight, what I got to say is... Um, this feels very much like trying to get Shot O'Malley a big win back against a guy who's got some name value to him in Almeida. Thomas Almeida being a huge prospect at one time, literally was twenty one and zero going into that Cody Garbrandt fight. Yeah. And you said it, his record now is twenty two and four, so you could say Do the math. Um and then that three fight losing streak leading up here. He did fight in October, but before that, we hadn't seen him since January 2018. Which, funny enough, if you didn't see our episode Wednesday or listen to our episode Wednesday, <laughs> was it UFC 220 Classic Paper Review? Just a slight plug. Yeah, slight plug. So, the holes in Almeida's game, he has not clearly been able to fix. fix. 
And also, a lot of this might be mental game at this point. You know, his confidence must be struggling to really bounce back. While for Sean O'Malley, that's really not a problem with him. I know he lost his first fight, but that guy is basically said that he's still undefeated and that he... Yeah. And, I, and look, I'm, he's just talking shit. I get it. But his confidence couldn't be well, higher. His confidence is always mile high. And if this fight stays on the feet, Sean O'Malley has a clear advantage. Yeah. Almeida's shit has always struggled with the... Powerful striker. Sold Rob Font, especially. Yeah, O'Malley being a guy that has big power in his hands for that division. If this fight were to go to the ground, it would be interesting because Almeida does have some exceptional jiu-jitsu. But do I think it's going to get there? I think he's going to honestly choose to keep it on the feet, which may be to his detriment. Yeah, he does that, though. He does that a lot. Yeah. He, he, he likes, likes to be in there. He likes to go burner. in these wars where he kind of does enough to stay competitive, but never enough to win the fight. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be any different here. I think O'Malley adds another one. First round, KOTK mm, for Sean round. O'Malley. Yeah, I was, I was struggling here on, I guess, when the fight would. <clears throat> I think we're going to see a finish regardless of who comes out victorious in this one. But uh, I am going with O'Malley as well. I know he came off that loss to Cheeto. He showed weaknesses in that fight. Um, and, you know, that leg injury wasn't just some fluke. Like, Cheeto caused that. We're pretty convinced with the calf kicks and such. So, look for O'Malley's uh, footwork, quite literally, to play like a factor. Because even before that fight, he had also tweaked his foot uh, in the other bout with Sukumthoff, yeah. right? In a fight that really he should have lost had Andre just fought the right way and took it to the ground, but he chose to stand up. No, no, or no. chose to be on the ground yeah. instead of. If he would have just because Sean couldn't yeah, walk, he so couldn't walk. The ref would have had to stop it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. Nevertheless, the power is going to play in favor of uh, O'Malley, and the precision that we O'Malley has showed in his striking is next level for this division. And it's not just the punches, but he throws in the kicks and the body work. He really has it all in his striking game. So uh, I'm going second round, KOTKO. I think we're going to be in for a bit of a feeling out process in round one, potentially. But round two, I don't think O'Malley's going to waste any time. I like it. You got your work cut out for you here. Two experienced (laughs) guys. What an intriguing... It did a weird yeah. fight, man. It's so weird. I never thought this would... I, I'm still mind-blown that this fight's actually... And the, you want to talk about another fight that's huge for both guys for two total opposite yep. reasons. Tired Woodley, yes. Vicente Luque. Yes. Break it down. The former welterweight champ with three title defenses. Well, technically four if you count the draw. You know, do with that what you will. He's coming into this fight. 19 wins, six losses, one draw. Seven KOTKOs, five submissions. He's nine, five, and one in the UFC. Nine first round finishes. Notable wins. Paul Daly back in strike force in 2011 via decision. One punch KO Josh Koscheck. Absolutely brutal if you've never seen that before. TKO Carlos Condit with a leg kick. Got a TKO over Dong Young Kim. A split decision over Kelvin Gastelum. KO'd Robbie Lawler to win the belt. A majority decision against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in their second fight. Got a very lackluster decision over Damian Maya, but nevertheless. What he stuffed, like 23 takedowns in one fight or something? <laughs> that was Pretty crazy. Ridiculous. But then, when he fought Darren Till, Till was looked at as a world beater next up out of the UK and made it look easy 
uh, hurt Till on the feet and ultimately finished him via submission in his final title defense. Notable losses, however, he has gotten KO'd by Nate Marquardt back in strike force. That was in 2012. Lost a split decision to Jake Shields, a unanimous decision to Roy McDonald. Lost his belt to the current welterweight king in Kamaru Usman. Uh, lost another fight to Gilbert Burns, who just came off of his bout with Usman. And then most recently, after being dominated for four whole rounds, got TKO'd in the fifth round with a nasty rib injury that happened while he was on his back. So it was kind of crazy there, uh, Colby Covington. And the draw, of course, was to Wonderboy in their very first fight, which was an incredible war back and forth for Luque. 19-7 and seven with one draw, so almost identical records. He's got 11 KO, TKO, 6 submissions, 12-3 and three in the UFC. But man, when Luque gets put into the biggest moments, it seems he fails. So this is why it's so interesting for him. He does have 11 first-round finishes out of the 17, with notable wins, funny enough, against Tiago Santos at Spartan MMA in 2012 via TKO. He KO'd Bilal Muhammad. He beat Nico Price twice, once via submission, once via TKO. He KO'd Jalen Turner. A split decision went over Michael, or Mike Perry. And then KO'd Randy Brown in his most recent outing. Notable losses, Leon Edwards via decision and Steven Wonderboy Thompson via decision. As I just mentioned, you hear that record in the UFC, 12-3, and 3, you're thinking, damn, this guy's an absolute beast. And he is. But when the two biggest fights of his UFC career have happened, he's came up on the losing end. <coughs> Noah, does he rewrite that on Saturday night? Hmm. This is a tough one to break down here because... Luke's looking to get into the elite status of this division. Based on what I've seen. Or, sorry, if you want to finish your point. Well, I was just going to say, he's looking to come into the elite status, take a three-fight win streak. <clears throat> Woodley's complete opposite. Former champion, but now lost three straight fights. Yeah. Literally has lost 15 straight rounds. Yep. 75 minutes of fighting. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. So, let me start with... I'm going to start with Woodley. So, Woodley... After that, Darren Till win was really nearing kind of top 10 all-time status. I he mean, was. He was really that dominant as a champion. Didn't always do it in the most exciting fashion. Didn't really win over a ton of fans with some of the some of his, I guess, shit talk. Or I don't know if you would even call it that. But at Just the end of the day. Didn't always seem like the, the like he's kind of a whiny guy at mm. times. Him and Dan didn't have day, the best relationship. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, he was winning... Clearly, on in all these fights, his resume is very good. But he gets dominated by Kamaru Usman. Really, you know, even though now we we see how Usman is, yeah. and probably doesn't surprise us at that time. But at the time, that was a huge surprise oh, for yeah. him to be handled as easily as he was. And then he follows that up with being absolutely handled by Burns and Covington. So you're right. And Burns did it both ways, on the yeah. feet real bad and on the ground. And that's true. However, these are arguably the top three, top three guys, guys of welterweight. Yeah. So now you step back to Vicente Luque, who is, what, ranked 10th in the division? He's, yeah, this is 10 versus 7. So then I want to talk about Luque. You're right. He has seemed to kind of falter when he gets to the, the biggest, biggest fight. fight. Yeah. But... The styles of Leon Edwards and Stephen Thompson are much different than Tyron Woodley. Yeah. 
We have admittedly said as much as we love Vicente Luque, as great as he can be on the feet, as exciting as he can be. He gets hit. He gets hit. He, he is not the best when it comes to his striking defense. That's why a guy like Leon Edwards, like Steven Thompson, is a bad matchup for him because they're high-volume strikers, so he's getting hit a lot. That Steven Thompson fight in particular is mm. one that was a fight of the night, and he took a lot of damage. Yeah. But he wasn't giving back <laughs> near as much to Steven Thompson yeah. as Steven was giving to him. Tyron Woodley, not that kind of striker. Tyron Woodley will back up to the fence and throw that overhand right, powerful overhand right, and look to sting you there, get a takedown, finish you on the ground. That's kind of his MO. But he's really gone cold yeah. with his hands on the feet. I was about to say, Noah, will he pull the trigger finally? I don't, and you know, I, you can debate whether you think he will. Some of his comments leading in here tell me maybe he. He's starting to realize it a little bit. You know, he he does seem to be a little bit more, you know. He's aware of like. He's aware of his standing. What's been going on. Yeah. Which is kind of the first time we've heard him really admit that. However, based off what I've seen, I think Vicente Luque wins this fight. I actually am picking this fight to be my fight of the no night. No kidding. I so think, that would mean Woodley's going to have to let out a little bit. I, I think Woodley's going to have his moments here. I think that Luke being kind of a guy that will... Just get know, into a dog fight. Yeah, I think Woodley might be able to land one or two of those overhand rights. Wobbling but, or something. Yeah. yeah, but I think Luke ends up coming out on top. I'm picking Vicente Luque via decision. Yeah, uh, I'm going Luque decision as well. I couldn't... I just can't see a world in which... Woodley's going to get stopped. Like, yeah. yes, the TKO, it was a TKO loss to Colby, but it was like his rib popped or yeah. something. Um, now, Colby was dominating and such, but he wasn't finishing the fight. So I was like, man, okay. Is Luke really going to, like, KO? Or is Luke, yeah, Luke going to KO Woodley? I, I just can't see it. Um, so I'm going Luke via decision. I think he just edges it out. He's going to look better on the feet. I do want to pose, if this fight does go to the ground, it's kind of interesting. Because Luke's a guy that likes to get in barn burners, but has his fair share of submissions. Woodley is a dominant grappler that also has shown his submission strengths. What do you think could happen if this fight goes to the ground? And like, if you had to pick, I guess the better question being, who would engage in the offensive grappling first? Oh, I definitely think Woodley would. Yeah. But... I don't see. I, I could totally see Woodley taking the fight to the ground and being very just comfortable with mm. keeping top position, and Luke just be throwing elbows yeah. from the bottom. I don't. I see Woodley getting a takedown or two. This is why ultimately I think this fight's going to go back and mm. forth. I think it's going to be very close. But I ultimately think Luke is going to be very active off the bottom. I think he'll be able to get back up and on the feet. You and see on the it feet, going I think. To Luke. I think it'll be going to Luke. But yeah, it, it'll be very fun. I think. I hope so. Anyways, uh, I hope for Tyron. Even if he loses, I hope he at least shows something. Yeah, who? I mean, for Tyron, as crazy as it is to think, he could be on the verge of getting cut here. If he oh, were to lose oh, this there's bout. no doubt in my mind. Especially when you take into account that the he's that relationship. He's never so. been. Dana has even said that Tyron Willie is the hardest person he's ever had to work with and you look at some of the spats he's had with guys like tito ortiz 
doesn't speak very well. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's very, again, very interesting for two guys in polar opposite positions in their careers right now. Yeah. Now it's time for the main event of the evening. Take you a little drink of water, but the floor is yours for Stipe versus Ngannou to the biggest, baddest rematch. Can I get an OH? IO. Real subtle. Oh, yeah. Stipe Miocic, the heavyweight GOAT, 20 wins, 3 losses, 15 KOTKOs, 9 of such have came in the first round. He's 14-3 and three in the UFC. Notable wins against Roy Nelson via decision. Decision over Gabriel Gonzaga. TKO'd Mark Hunt. TKO'd Arlovsky. KO'd Fabricio Verdum to become the champion. Whilst moving backward, one punch KO'd Verdum oh, yeah. in Brazil. I've never heard an arena get so silent so quickly. Then goes on to defend the belt a record three times. First being against Alistair Overeem via KO, which we had the pleasure of witnessing live in Cleveland, Ohio. Then a rematch with JDS. Got a TKO victory there in Dallas, Texas. And then a decision victory over Francis Ngannou in their first meeting back in 2018. There would go on to have the trilogy with Daniel Cormier, of course, getting the better of that. The latter two fights, first being TKO and in the trilogy uh, finale should you say, was via decision. Notable losses. There's only three of them, ladies and gentlemen, and one stands out a lot more than the other two. Stefan, the skyscraper, Struve, who just recently finally laid the gloves down for good. TKO'd the current heavyweight GOAT in the second round back in the day. Also, Stipe lost a five-round war against Junior Dos Santos in their first outing. That's an absolutely amazing fight. If you have not seen that fight, I recommend it. And then... DC shocked the world when he came up to become champ champ and KO'd Stipe in the first round of their trilogy fight. So now Stipe is technically a two-time heavyweight champ, looking to make his second defense of this reign, his fifth total, as Noah mentioned, at the top of the hour. And for Francis, 15 wins, 3 losses. He's got 11 KO TKOs, 4 submissions. Noah, that's 15 out of 15. That's a that's a 100% finish rate, ladies and gentlemen. Ring the bells. Ring the bells. <laughs> sign the alarms. Sound the alarms. He's 10-2 and two in the UFC. 11 first-round finishes out of those 15. Notable wins over Curtis Blades twice, both via TKO. He TKO'd Andre Arlovsky. One-punch KO'd Alistair Overeem's head off of his shoulders into the sixth row of the stadium. He KO'd Cain Velasquez. TKO JDS, and then most recently KO Jaisenior Rosenstroik in the craziest combination you'll ever witness in your life. <laughs> Two losses in the UFC, one to Stipe Miocic in his first quest for gold, and the second one to Derek Lewis, and we're not going to say anything more about that fight other than he lost via decision. Yep. All right, Noah. So first off, can I just say <laughs> 2021 rematch, huh? Yeah. Started the year with Connor Dustin too. Yep. Now we're getting the biggest, baddest rematch, Stipe and Nganu. Next month, we got uh, Usman Masvidal 2. In June, we're getting Figgy Moreno 2. I mean... Rematch is just coming out of nowhere. And I tell you, there's something just a little different when they're going at it again. Yeah. Because they've been in there with each other. they felt their power, their strength, their punches, their grappling, everything... How's it going to play out here in the second bout between these two heavy hitters? Well, you know, it's it's tough to gauge because let's let's look at it like this. 
the first time these two fought, Francis came out with that power, came out looking to knock Stipe's head off, landed some he good landed. shots. Yeah. But Stipe using that lateral movement, really evading the pressure, mm-hmm. um, ends up getting those takedowns, and then from there really just sucked the energy out of Ngannou. Yeah, really. And coasted basically for the last three rounds to a decision victory in what ended up being a very one-sided fight after the first round and a half or so. Yeah, he took a very green at the time Ngannou to deep waters, and Ngannou had no answers. Yeah, and there was just no answers for Ngannou yeah. on the ground. Now, you would like to believe he's going to have Usman in his corner. He's got to have people. He's got people that have been helping him, you know, really patch up those holes in his game on the ground and his cardio. He did look. He's looked a lot leaner since that fight. Both guys. <laughs> yeah, really <it's> true. <laughs> um, so you got to think that he's made improvements to his ground game to where he can at least be competent to. You know, get out of the bottom position or be able to transition, things like that. Yeah, I mean... But is it enough? Because really, I think the Stipe we saw fight DC in his last two fights was better than the Stipe that yeah. beat Ngannou the first time. Well, and here's the thing. And we may, you know, we didn't want to say too much about this fight on Wednesday because we wanted to break it down so much here. I just want to throw this at you all. Stipe and Ngannou both fought on the same night at UFC 226. It was the first night of the trilogy, the first of the fights of the trilogy between Stipe and DC, and that's the night Francis took on Lewis. So they fought on the same card. Since then, Miocic has had 45 minutes of octagon time with one of the best to ever do it in Daniel Cormier. Francis, since then, has had four wins, which is great, four-fight win streak. It's awesome. Combined for a total of two minutes and 42 seconds of octagon time. Yeah. 45 minutes against one of the best ever versus 242, where we've really not gotten to see if Francis has improved. Like, yes, he's improved, right? He, You can't get four straight KOT goes and not be better than what you were at one point. But has he improved enough? Right. And like you mentioned, if he hasn't put patched some holes in the grappling department and takedown defense, we're going to see much of the same through the first fight here. And I mean, if you are someone predicting this fight like we're doing right now, breaking it down, you can make those assumptions. You can assume that he's worked on it enough to be competent enough to maybe stuff takedowns, to, to really maybe go into some deep waters, maybe actually go for two, three rounds without really losing a lot of that power. But we haven't but we seen haven't it. we haven't seen it. Yeah. What we've seen since has been very impressive, but it's much of the same as what got him the first title shot. But for Stipe... So the route to victory is still the same. While, yes. While what you're going to say is for Stipe, he just has a There's, lot more avenues to victory. Like, if, if, you're, if you're coming into this and you're thinking, which fighter has more routes to victory, as Noah just said? I don't think there's anyone out there really thinking... Francis is going to, A, submit Stipe, which Francis has four submissions, but those were they're really outliers. Yeah. It's not like he actively looks for submissions. I mean, it's still impressive. They're, they're impressive, yes. But it's it, 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 I think but, a lot of that's pure strength yeah, and yeah. not technique-based. Um, so you don't see that as your option. And then option B, is he really going to go and win 25 minutes of a fight? Or at least 15 minutes, meaning he would win three out of five rounds? Like... I don't know, because we haven't seen that out of him ever. <laughs> yeah. But for Stipe, 
he's not going to submit him, but he's got the power in the boxing to, I think, finish Nganu, which he's never been finished in his three losses. But we can also see he's got the grinded-out style, the grappling to go 25 minutes and win a decision victory. So there's more routes for Stipe based off of what we have seen. But again, maybe Ngannou's doing so much shit in the gym that we're just not seeing that he's just going to come out and shock everyone. But we're just going off what we've been presented with in the past three years, and that's really all you can do. Yeah, and let's be clear. I think this fight's going to be much of the same as the first fight. I think Ngannou's route to victory remains the same. He could easily come out here and knock out Stipe in under a minute. He oh, could. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This fight could end in 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stipe did get knocked out by Cormier with not exactly a power punch. Yeah. It, it would not surprise me at all if Ngannou did that. No. But am I going to put my eggs in that basket? I don't think so. I think, and still, Stipe retains by, again... Grinding out a decision. I think Ngannou, again, that first round, I look forward to that being just very exciting. I do think you'll see a much more reserved Ngannou than the first yeah, fight. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Um, you have to wonder, if you look at the Lewis fight, which I know we promised we weren't going to talk about it, but how cautious he was. Too cautious. Threw 11 strikes or whatever. Yeah. Landed 11 strikes in the whole fight. Yeah. But that was because he basically had gotten his soul taken by Stipe. Yeah, he needs so to have now a... he's facing the guy who did that to yeah. him. You have to wonder if there will be some of that anxiety. Well, there's a lot of mental mental warfare going on here. Yeah. They might not be talking shit. And it got like... was like, how are you so nice? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. But I think that... Ngannou will at least be keep this fight competitive for longer. I could see maybe three rounds of this fight being Stipe just just edging being at, just edging him out. I could even see Ngannou winning round one, maybe even round two, and Stipe ultimately coming back. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, I think the most clear path to victory here is a Stipe win via decision. I'm going Stipe. But I think he's going to do what no man's ever done before. He's going to flying triangle choke Francis. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think he is going to finish Francis Ngannou. I think he's going to really drag it out. He's going to grind Ngannou, much like the first fight. But I think he's going to want to make a statement. And I say this, for my sole reason being, I think he wants to make a statement because there's a fellow by the name of John Jones knocking on the door to fight the winner of this bout. True. Stipe's going to want to say, I'm the king, come take this belt for me. I think he's going to finish Nganu in the fourth round via KOTKO, uh, via ground and pound more specifically. I think Stipe may even hurt Nganu more so than he did in the first fight because we saw Stipe landed some good shots in that first fight and Francis just ate that shit. Yeah. Like it was nothing. Right. This time... I just got a feeling there's going to be a shot that lands. Similar to kind of the one Stipe... He stunned uh, Edgardo a, a couple yeah. times in that first and, fight. And the right cross that Stipe dropped uh, Daniel with in the second fight, look for something like that to land here uh, on Nganu to the fact that he gets a little wobbled. Stipe goes in for the takedown and gets the ground and pound finish in the fourth round after an absolute just edge-of-your-seat style contest. Because when Nganu's fighting, you can't help but just be... Like, oh shit. 
Oh, shit. <laughs> He's going to land the one right. shot. Yeah. So, uh, man, it really is the biggest, baddest rematch. I'm so excited. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be an absolute treat as a fan, a fight fan. 100%. But that is it for our preview of UFC 260. Check out these fights on Saturday. What are the start times, Dom? Prelims. <laughs> well, there's a fight pass prelim. Yeah. Literally one, one. fight. That'll be at 730 p.m. on Saturday evening on Fight Pass, and then I think those are on ESPN Plus nowadays yep. as well. Yep. Regular prelims start at 8 o'clock. They're going to be on ESPN The Network. Good prelims, may I add. And you can watch them on ESPN and Plus. And ESPN Plus. And then the main card, 10 p.m., as usual, with the pay-per-views, unless you're Habib fighting in Abu Dhabi at 2 p.m. Yeah. Eastern time, I should say. On ESPN Plus, so buy the pay-per-view Support the Ohioan that is Stipe Miocic and watch some incredible fights. Agreed. But until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Twitter and Instagram, at Diesley14. Fight the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J <coughs> underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at NTBaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with the social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the Anchor page. First, leaving a voice message. Leave us your thoughts on this fight coming up this Saturday. If you have a thought on an upcoming fight, a news story, if you just want to say hi or tell us we're a piece of shit, or if you have any sort of ideas that you want for the podcast, you got 60 seconds to tell us why. Collab with us. Yeah, of course. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out and we'll see you all on Monday.